Welcome to When Pigs Fly, a podcast that uncovers Cincinnati's rich business history from the 1800s to today. We talk to companies to learn the ups and downs of entrepreneurship, what it takes to grow a successful business, and to prost to future innovation. And I am one of your co-hosts, Ali Martin. I'm Patrick Bailey. And we're back at it again. I know. They let let us come back for a third episode. (laughs) Yeah, so today we are going to be traveling to Cartridge Brewing. Now, we're actually venturing a little bit outside of Cincinnati. We're going north, and we've decided to take it up to Mainville, Kings Mills area, to Cartridge Brewing. And the reason behind that is because this brewery is in a old bullet factory. I didn't even know that existed in Cincinnati, to be honest. (laughs) The Peter's Cartridge Factory. So they're going to kind of give us a little lowdown on that history. And, of course, we'll probably be tasting some beer at some point in time. Always a plus. (laughs) Yes. The space is unreal. I can't wait for you to see it because this will be your first time. Yeah. And I'm excited. What are you excited to learn most about? A, did not know anything about, like, bullets and guns and ammo yeah. here in the, the tri-state area. So didn't even know that was an industry. So you're not packing heat. <laughs> <laughs> didn't know that was an, even an industry here. Yeah. And then kind of excited to see, okay, these people truly care about their community mm-hmm. and beer. Yeah. How do they mold it all together, especially weaving in this history that they're yeah. basically taking on themselves. So I'm um, super excited just to get their perspective of like, how the heck did you do to it? Because it's an undertaking. I just remember driving past there and thinking this building is so, so cool. I didn't know what it was. And I'm sure they probably felt the same too when they stumbled upon it and seeing drone footage. And then I remember seeing the press release and saying, so-and-so, I didn't know what the name at the time, you know, this cartridge brewing is coming to this space. And I'm thinking that is the perfect place to have it. It's right off the little Miami river. It's right off the bike trail. And this was back in 2017. So now we're 2020, moving into 2021. Actually, no, we're 2021 now. (laughs) (laughs) And they're they're open. Well, the fact that they open during a pandemic. Yeah. I want to know what took them time-wise. Like, I mean, obviously, there's probably a whole bunch of regulation that they had to go through, especially with a historical building. Yeah. Um, So would love to learn a little bit more about that. What, I think they opened, what, two, two and a half months ago, they were saying? On Halloween. Jeez. On and it, like, if you just look at their social media pages, they're already killing it. Yes. And their branding is phenomenal. Being the, the branding design nerd, I appreciate really good branding. So being able to talk to them to learn about how they decided on their branding, I imagine that they've done something with the space, but we'll learn that and we'll see as we go. Yeah, I'm excited. All right, let's go drink some beer. We are with uh, Lindsay and Kyle Hackbarth, and Patrick, this is your time, he- first time here, which is very exciting. Yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. Did not know this existed up here, so I'm super excited to explore something new. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's kind of a, a hulking giant down here that if you don't know it exists in this, like, random valley yeah. that you kind of, it's fun to hear that people discover it, mm-hmm. that this building since, you know, the early 1900s is just kind of sitting here. And has been, you know, vacant for many years and, and is now being reused. How did you guys come across it? We moved here a little under six years ago and we live a mile and a, half. A, yeah, a couple miles away. And so I think it was actually when we came up house hunting was the first time where we were, you know, taking different roads to look at different neighborhoods and you have to kind of, we're so close to, I mean, major things like Kings Island and, you know, right off of 71 and we're super accessible, but you have to choose to go down this windy road into this valley and stumble upon this place. And that was our kind of first experience of what is that? Why is that randomly there? And it didn't look like this then. Yeah. Oh, no. um, well, it was our realtor. Like yeah. you follow your realtor. And I think in the back of my head, like every building I've ever gone by for, you know, 20 years has been like, oh, we should put a brewery there. Yeah. And I don't know if I actually said it like then, but I was like, but then you keep dr- driving and then you get on the main roads. And so then I remember one day I was like, I have no idea what's down this road. And then you're like, oh, that's where the factory figured is. out where it was. Like, it's oh, very okay. Windy this way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to give people context, it's right on the little Miami River, and then the bike trail yep. is right next to it. Yep. So that's really cool. Prime you, location. Prime lo- location. Talk about location, location, location. Yep. So, what other, were you visiting other buildings? I always say this has been his like dream for since before we met yeah. in college. And 
but he chose a path of the military, which doesn't lend for stability in one place very long. So with moving around, it kind of never was really a viable option until he left the army. I think it's a viable option in that, like, you have to, like, the military was a great building block on, like, leadership and makes you very mature beyond your years very quickly, especially with, like, multiple combat deployments, working my way through both the NCO Corps and the officer side of the house, that it taught, uh, you know, grit, right? Something that would definitely come into play when it comes to starting a business. And, but we never uh, were able to put down roots But we are never putting down roots, and we never really found a place that felt like home until we moved here. And yeah. I had a, a stable job, Lindsay had a great job, and then uh, was lucky enough to use my GI Bill to go back and get my MBA. So then it just kind of became an itch that then became, came home one day and I was like, hey, you didn't know this, but I met with the developer of the powder factory, everybody calls it the powder factory, mm -hmm. and he says it's gonna happen. And it was the first time she ever said maybe to a location. Because <laughs> he had gone and like looked at, I mean, like random strip malls here. And I was like, no, like we're not going to do, the, I mean, I mean, we're brewery, we're beer snobs and lovers. We've been to hundreds of breweries here, there, and everywhere. I'm like, we're not going to do the stereotypical put it in a strip mall and have it be that same metal stool that everybody does. Like if we're going to do it, it needs to be something different and special and location was a huge driver. Because you guys were traveling so much because, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. being deployed yeah, in the military. So well, how long was that? Eight years? Uh, Eight and a half. Yeah. It was a good experience. Oh, yeah. Right? I wouldn't you know, take it back I from wouldn't both trade of it. us. I just know that wanting to have a family and the op tempo mm -hmm. that we were still on, that that was going to yeah. be very difficult. So it was just a good time to get out, right? Mm -hmm. and And found a great job selling chemicals and, and pivoted that job into actually selling chemicals and becoming, becoming the expert in selling chemicals to breweries, distilleries, and like wineries, yeah. right? So, so that's, that's kind of what, he, he was like in the industry adjacent to before, yep. and then I think the MBA, it was kind of the combination of like, I think we both have always been hungry people that eventually didn't want to work for the man, but wanted to be the man, mm -hmm. you know, or build something that's our own and put all of our blood, sweat, and tears into it. I think MBA was driving force of like giving you knowledge base that made you feel confident mm -hmm. in especially all the financial parts of a business, um, which I think if you don't have those ducks in a row, it's gonna be hard pressed to yeah. be successful. Yeah. And then it was the being in the brewing world and loving beer and it kind of all perfect stormed. Mm -hmm. So going kind of back to your travels and beyond your love of finding a great location, what were the things that you were taking away that you really liked about the industry and that you didn't like about I, the industry? I think the industry has changed fundamentally over the last 10 years for sure, yeah. right? And I, I think what's crazy is like, I can look back and know the breweries that like we loved, like even when we were dating in college, which was the Lafayette Brewing Company. It is a brew pub. It is a solid menu, decent beer, but it's a community little brew pub, downtown Lafayette, people love it. And then like go to Clarksville, outside Fort Campbell, mm -hmm. where the 101st Airborne is. Black and Horse. That was Black Horse. Pizza, beer, community. Go up to Colorado Springs, then that was, I think, Trinity Brewing. And like, they were much more, it's different food program, much more elevated, but once again, beer. Food. So you were taking notes as you are going to all these <laughs> Yeah, I think we always kind of noticed what we liked, what we didn't, what we kind of thought was generic, what we wanted to be unique, and then kind of finding it. But I don't think and it was like overt, you know, we weren't like, oh, let's take notes on this place. It was more like you walk away you and you're like, liked. will I come back, yes or no? Mm -hmm. Was that worth it, yes or no? And like, just the general feeling of a place. Like you can tell a restaurant that may have like put millions of dollars into branding and, and the decor and then you get your first plate of food and you're like, this doesn't match. Yeah. Or you go to the place that is just a mom and pop diner and you get that plate of food and you're like, Love wow, it. I am gonna come back here every day. There's some intrinsic things in here that you, you hope you can nail, mm -hmm. but you can't really write down or put in a business plan. You just kind of hope they come out of the hard work and effort. Yeah, the overarching experience between the space and the product itself. Yes. So when it comes to actually brewing, but you, neither of you have brewing experience, but correct? He, he dabbled. He was what I like to call like, you know, the basement home brewer. Yeah. I think it was pre-children or Plus, when our oldest was very young and you had this yeah. thing called free time. <laughs> it was post-deployment. We had a little extra money because of deployment money. Yeah. And I remember a guy named Kevin Burke 
who I was in the same unit with, was like, hey, I found this store in Nashville. You can make your own beer. And I remember we went down like the next weekend. Yeah. It was like a kid yeah. with a chemistry set. I mean, yeah. that's basically what yeah, it you is. Just, you bought a kit, right? And you make beer and you hope it doesn't blow up in your closet, which, which a few of the bottles did, did mm -hmm. um, over carbonation. <laughs> so like, I got the general gist and then Part of my my former career, I had the ability to go to a couple brewing schools, and and so in, I understood the general gist. But then you have to fast forward to, okay, we started this project in 2017. We're opening in 2020. There are 60 breweries in Cincinnati. 72. It's hard to even keep I, count. I don't even know the full, in the tri-state area. There's probably it's pushing 60, if not plus, right? Mm -hmm we knew that this wasn't 10 or 15 years ago where you could be a home brewer mm -hmm. that just made okay beer and you would be slammed and busy. Like the competition for quality, a quality beverage up front was key. And so then when we started talking, Lindsay and I and other members of the team about how do we structure this, we realized very quickly we needed a professional brewer. We needed someone who that is their love and passion and that can make you know, 450 gallons of beer of high quality versus my five gallon experience. Well, it and is. I think you saw your value too of that like from your MBA and from your sales experience in military, you wanted to be more bigger picture strategic thinking part of the business, yeah. not just the one element of, which is a very important element of a brewery, but we wanted to hire a subject matter expert, yeah. a professional in that to do that part of it and then oversee more of the bigger pieces of the puzzle. So how does one look for the right brewer? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the funniest part is it's literally a like message board system called Pro Brewer. And it literally it's looks, it's like, it looks like Oregon Trail. It's like a Reddit? Yes. No, yes. it's worse. Think of it as like an old bulletin board discussion page. You essentially put up a heading, you use the old school yep. formats where you do like, you know, B is for bold and all that, like, and you format it, right? And you literally post like looking for head brewer, Cincinnati, Ohio, and then people can either email you if you put one in, or they'll message you through the bulletin board. What was the first step? You finding the brewer? I think, think the idea of wanting to do it and then finding the right place to do it. Mm. This location then came with far more hurdles than any other location because it was, a, it didn't look anything like this. And it was an EPA Superfund site. And it was, um, it wasn't, even like the developers who own Bloomfield Sean, like they had to not only get through that hurdle and get that cleared, which they did, that was a big one. They also then had to fund this whole project, which is a heck of a lot more than our little blip on the radar. Yeah. Um, and then to open the doors for us to be able to well, do this and raise capital, oh, and get a bank loan. And like, I mean, those were like the huge hurdles Yeah, I think we found the first. location, you and I agreed that we could like Let's 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 start a see plan. if there's something out there, and so we put together a, a funding package for essentially we skipped kind of the seed round. We we essentially would would call it our A round. We went okay. right to it and, and raised. Um, now where there's like angel investors, just big people so in the are, area are, or outside of the area. Almost all, I mean, some family and friends, and then primarily it's a lot of locals who have been really successful in their industries yeah. that they're in. And it runs the gamut from, I mean, large here, there, and everywhere. distribution, former owner that sold his company, down to a large tech company here in town. I guess a lot of small business owners are gonna to wanna to know, like, how did you go about doing that? How is that process? So, relationships, relationships, yep. relationships. <laughs> Let's go get a beer. Yeah, it was knowing people who knew people who brokered introductions, and then mm -hmm. Kyle was, pull the string and tell the dance, vision, monkey, the dance. story, dance, monkey, dance. And both of us coming from a world of sales, I think that helps, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there is no real, f everyone thinks it's like a formal thing, yeah. right? Like you hear these stories about these huge names that are out there right now, and sometimes it's like an uncle that has an extra 50K and they just hand it to you, right? We knew legally we needed to follow a little bit more structure, so you have to find the right law firm that costs an ungodly amount of money to write these huge mm -hmm. documents that take all the risk off of you. So we did an actual Security Exchange Commission like raise through, it's called Reg D. Many small business owners, we use Reg D. And, and then it's just starting to pitch, right? And my pitch deck was like three things, right? Mm -hmm. Like you either, believe in the, you either believe in the location, <laughs> you believe in the team, and, and the, you believe in the, like, the, the, plan. the, the industry, right? And mm -hmm. that was really it. And if I could sell you on usually two of those, the risk you could override. Mm -hmm. So the other thing we did that I, I think was a lot, 
it was different and I think smarter in the long run is many breweries are like, if you can give me $50, I'll take you on. Yeah, like you, you can be an investor for, you know, if you have a hundred spare dollars and then you end up with a ton of people who all have opinions and expectations and we were strategic in that we set a our, threshold yeah. or a minimum investment. Our minimum investment at the very beginning was $25,000. So we have roughly 20 major investors. Uh, we call them equity partners. Mm -hmm. uh, we sold them on one location and two that 90% of them live within 10 miles of here. Mm -hmm. So they all know the site. Yeah, it goes back right. to community, right? Yeah, you're not yeah. relationships. Keeping it here, yes. keeping the money in yeah. the community. So, um, and then you have to structure it the right way. So, you know, are their shares dilutable, yes or no? Can they be forced out, yes or no? Is there an automatic buyout? Like, how do you structure this thing? And there's certain things we did that were very pro-investor and somewhat anti-company, and then we did some other stuff that were extremely pro-company and a little anti you know, power for them. So mm -hmm. they are equity partners. So what we also made sure is none of them have a vote. Mm, interesting. You have an opinion, but I don't have to. They're I, in for the financial gain. I don't have in the to legally run. listen to you in did, any way, shape, or form. Did anybody back out when you told yes. them that? Yeah. Interesting. And they're not the right people. Yeah. I think we did things strategically to find the right group of people, and we have great relationships with all of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're all in, I mean, most of them are in here quite often. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they pay the same bills that everybody else pays. Yeah, They're no not discount. getting a discount. <laughs> they wait in the same weights on Saturday night that everybody else does. We found, I think, a, a good way to find the right people. And I like some of the people, my favorite story was that we had, um, you know, a, a husband and wife over at our house around our kitchen mm -hmm. table. and pitched them there and it was just a conversation of yeah. they had and they had gotten some family money and their their kids thought it was super cool that mom was going to invest <laughs> in a brewery invest in a brewery right. yeah and yeah, she, yeah. And so they were going to do something outside of the box right it's a, it's a riskier type yeah. investment than you know and they're one of our biggest investors from a dollar from a dollar amount they were one of our biggest investors mm -hmm. wow. and how many investors total again ballpark 20-ish. So I, have a, I want to backtrack a little bit too to give people the visual of the space and also when you enter the ground, so to speak, right? Maybe let's go back and talk about the history of what this used to be because this used to be, like you said, the powder factory or the Peter's cartridge factory. And it's a series of buildings. And there's one that's kind of hidden in the back. You have the this huge space that we're sitting in now, which is your brewery, Cartridge Brewing, and then we're looking at a series, which is a building or of a building that's turning into apartments. It very yes. much was like a campus. Yes, yeah. It was a it was a, a community. It was a a company town. Yeah. Like the town was built around this business that expanded over time. Like so, Kings, Hyman's King, um, which is Kings Island, which is Kings Local Schools, which is you know Kings, Kings Mills. Mills. All of those are yeah. from him. They initially started as a powder company, and hence why people called us the Powder Factory, but that's technically incorrect because the King's Powder Company was on the other side of the river here. It's where the high school is now. Um, and that was established back in mid-1800s yes. off the top of my head. Um, and then he realized, you know, we had amazing trees that grow on the river here that turn into gunpowder. That was valuable. Well, what can you do with gunpowder? Well, you can load it into shotgun shells. So through a marriage in the family, Gershom wore Peters, which is what became Peters Cartridge Factory. He was up in upstate New York, had married into the King's, the King's family, family, and he was a preacher at the time. A lot of preachers. But a creative thinker. So they wanted to get, I think, the daughter back to the home of Ohio, not in New York. So they offered him a presidency, a president-level position here and kind of tasked him with the challenge of, can you come up with a way to like find a way to automatically load shotgun shells with our powder? So he was a creative guy. He ended up having like 30 or 35 patents in his lifetime, which was pretty incredible at that time. And his biggest one was the automatic shotgun shell loader. And then- This place is generally 1908. This was yeah, this was the original structures that were here were made of wood, not the smartest move, a la the Chicago fire. Um, was like late 1800s was when it was originally built. There was a massive explosion in 1890 that happened where the bike trail was a train track. Train track ran into a like two, train car. Two things of, of powder went up. Kaboom. There's Boom. still stories that it broke windows in like, Lebanon. Like you up to 10, it. 12 miles away, it was that big of an explosion and everything was, yep. you know, and then gone. Through essentially 
a lawsuit, he was, crafty. he was able to find insurance money that then rebuilt this to what yep. it is now. So yeah. then, he, like the business could have easily folded. He fought the railroad company for the issue, got the money, and then rebuilt the brick structure and concrete structure that you see today yeah. that was the shell that was still sitting here. And that's what's still standing now. Yeah. So this is the, the second round. And then some of the other critical things that he came up with was that uh, one of the buildings when you first drive in on the right is kind of this rectangular, that's the old powder or the, the powerhouse. So they actually had four huge- Giant smokestack. Smoke uh, uh, boilers in there. Yep. That's where the smokestack is. And those boilers generated their own power. So they had their own electrical production down Everything here. Everything was under the yeah. smart It was all yes. in house, right? Yeah. And so then you have the water from the river that helps cool things and generate. You know, we obviously don't have to discuss like, you know, was that the right thing, yes or no? But it was, you're building it here because of the trees, because of the water, because of the train track, right? Industrial areas need trains. Yep, it's, transportation. It's, yes. You still need the ability to move very large amounts of material easily. Um, and trains still give people that. And then um, from there, it just kind of grew. And then, and then it well, was then interesting the to see how the they, other yeah, icon and the shot tower is the other icon. The rectangular tower that you'll see kind of make the landscape of when you come down in the valley. And that was, they would go take the molten lead, lead up through to the top of the tower, like through a giant sieve or a screen and gravity and cold water at the bottom is what essentially made the shotgun yep. shells, like BBs. Like, I mean, in World War Millions. I efforts and World War II, like a, like a million rounds a day, wow. which is pretty crazy for the, you think of the lack of technology and resources yeah, that right they had. Yeah, right here in Kingsmill, Ohio, mm -hmm. right? Like it doesn't make The fact that I was going all the way around the world yep. Yep. to oh, yes. protect yep. for democracy, basically. Yeah. Wow. Then it kind of, it shut down. So Remington then bought it. Uh, Remington Arms, mm -hmm. yep. and then DuPont was one of the owners as well through that, and then essentially they mothballed it in It was used by like Seagram's used 60s. this site as a barrel house for a while. Um, Columbia Records, pressed records here, you can find ones that say like wow. Preston Kings Mills. That's really cool. Um, for a short period of time. And yeah, yeah, like right around the 70s was kind of the last major use of the site. There were then some artists and craftsmen and whatnot that had some random workshops, but then it basically sat vacant from I mean, that's a long, for a like long 50 time. Years. There was a, a guy that considered him a collector. It was a junkyard, yeah. but he thought he was a collector. So this place became very full of many random things. And then- <laughs> uh, Bloomfield Sean. Bloomfield Sean. So mm -hmm. Ken Sean uh, lives literally right up the hill and drives by this place and him and his partner, their niche, and they'll say it in a much more elegant way, but their niche in my mind is finding these buildings that people drive by every single day and somehow finding a way to bring these things back to life. Yeah. So that's the Ford factory, the Kirby school, other projects throughout town that they've done very similar to this that are just these like- Great historical you, value. You would look at it and just be like, it would be easier to tear it down. It really would. Like it would be easy, but they- But you're not gonna find it again. You're not gonna find it again ever. And as I said, like you would never build buildings like with windows this size no, or like I mean stunning. it's yeah it's just not what would be so they the norm. I think they worked out a deal with the family for probably pennies mm -hmm. right and then from then now it's the legal fight to get it cleaned up under the super fund yeah. it's getting it from commercial grade to residential grade which is a multitude of, of uh, I joked like the old Calvin and Hobbes commercials or the comics mm -hmm. they had a game called Calvin Ball where they wrote the rules as they were playing it. <laughs> where you're like, okay, let's have a call with the EPA. Well, Monday they said this, and Tuesday they said this. I so guess. What do I, do? Yeah, I guess. I yeah. guess the rules changed, right? Yeah. And you just you just rolled with it. I don't think we ever thought it would take the multitude of no. not only monetary help from local investors and equity partners, but uh, I don't think there was a congressman, a senator at both the federal and the state level that was not involved wow. in this project either in support mm -hmm. or meetings mm -hmm. or just can you try to get an answer for us yeah. or can your aid can call you help somebody? facilitate a signature that we've been waiting on for you know. holding yes. yes yeah what what would you say was the biggest struggle throughout that process i think it's it's interesting to see the rules you have to go through at a federal level to get blasted off on, and then the additional rules at a state level that it sometimes don't match up perfectly. So what were some of those things at the federal level that so like you were trying to check the boxes? Yeah. So for them, it was like removal of all the soil. So there were two feet of soil that came off this site that, and then yeah. you have to bring it all back. Wow. So if you remove a foot, you have to bring back a foot. Because it's an historical site. 
Well, because it, it fell under the Superfund site, so the, e the federal EPA said that this can be cleaned up. The Superfund site is essentially a way for the federal government to earmark locations that have significant environmental remediation needed, and hopefully the end goal of the program is to bring those back into Delighted. usage, back to either commercial or manufacturing or, or whatever it might be. And so it is, the program worked. The program really worked yeah. for this site, and it worked about 15 years faster than it should have. Mm -hmm. Normally it takes decades to get this done. Which is a shame because I think everyone saw the vision and the value of this location. Yeah. The amount of red tape you have to cut through and we, to make it happen and really Bloomfield Sean taking and the front of it. And it wasn't really us. We, yeah. we yeah. were along for the ride. Like we signed a letter of intent. Uh, but the project would have been dead in, in the water if that wouldn't have happened. It would and have then just we signed a lease and we paid our first month's rent in I think it was like 2017 we signed that lease uh, for a very very long time and then we were just along for the ride. Because like, I was going to say, in terms of renovating this space beyond, you know, the, the interior of the bar itself, what did that conversation sound like and look like? Did you have a lot of say of the structure of this or did they come in and, and completely renovate it first and then you they, came in and took we, over? We technically negotiated a white box. So I think when you're a business owner going in to talk to a developer, one, uh, I cannot stress more the relationship with your developer better be good because they own the building, yeah. right? There are a lot of stories. They of, can make your life really hard or they can be very helpful. And, and, and you build Ken and Steve were through time, right? Not immediately, but through time understood that we cared about this place, that we were actually putting ownership into this place, even though we didn't own the building, that we wanted to see it brought back to its grandeur. And I think in those conversations then, then you can start to meet in the middle on things. So we knew that essentially we own from the glass in, right? So what they owed us was electric in, and we negotiated how much electric, right? Gas in and water in. That just means it comes in, it stubs, it stops. The running of it where we need it is all on us. Essentially we negotiated for them to give it to us as a box, right? And you hear many terms like, oh, I'm gonna rent a black box, or I'm gonna gray box, or a white box. Well, whatever it says on the lease goes. So yeah. you can call it whatever you want, but you need to have a very clear intention. And so then we hired our general contractor and architect team, and we had them meet with Ken's team, and we found out where those divides are, right? Like, okay, yeah. I'm bringing it to here, so you have to pick it up from here. And that really alleviated a lot of the stress. Um, allowed us to run in tandem at the same and time we too. We didn't to wait for tandem. like, we didn't have to wait for them to finish, you know, A, B, and C, so then we could do D, E, and F. It really can't be like, I signed a lease, and now like, yeah. we don't talk. Well, we're, right? we like, realize there's beneficial relationship for both of us here, right? Like, it's helping them, I mean, I'm sure they're probably getting more tenants because there happens to be a brewery on location. That's pretty nice. But it's also really nice for us when, you know, when all of these are fully leased out, we have a captive audience. So it's a win-win. So like, what are ways we can work together to make this successful yeah. for everybody? Now, when it comes to developing this space, I think going back to what you said with the history, you really took a lot of those elements of what this place stood for for so long into your branding. Kind of walk us through that. Oh, branding, branding is a, was a whole process. <laughs> that was a... But we, thankfully, I mean, again, it was relationships. And when did you start, when did you guys start getting into the branding? Was that from 2017? Maybe 2018 maybe, maybe we started branding. I mean, it was pretty early on. Working in the industry, uh, I was able to like meet many people that would be very influential, and, and two of those people are Bob and Bryant of Rheingeist. So I sold chemicals to Rheingeist, and you develop a relationship with, with what many people would think is you know, lightning in a bottle that mm -hmm. happened at Rheingeist. Mm -hmm. Yes, partially it is lightning in a bottle, but it also comes because you had very smart people put together a very smart plan and hire great people to execute it. And mm -hmm. getting to know all of that leadership team at a high level meant that you could look at kind of how they were doing it. Not that we wanted that to be our model, yeah. but also go, all right, what did they do? All right, they went out and they hired a legit branding organization. And Helms Workshop out of Austin, Texas, uh, I think we did three or four interviews with their leadership team. Across. You had to inter oh, yes. get interviewed in order just to work with them. Correct. 
they're they're at the level they, of their business where they can be very picky on the clients yeah, that so they Jack, want to take Jack on. Jack Daniels. We're talking big names, and here's Cartridge Brewing. And and, right? Ryan, and Ryan, <laughs> yeah. and, and they did Ryan Geist, which is pretty iconic, right? Yeah. So so yep. yeah, it was three or four interviews by them to us to understand the project, and and I think it goes back to like the relationship. Like, do they want to have a relationship with us, and do we want to have a relationship with them? Yes, it is a business thing. We call them business partners. Yeah. Right? So it is still ongoing. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, like, if we still... need anything, we could go back to them and they could deviate it. We can get into uh, how you take your branding from a baseline and then pivot mm -hmm. it into what we're doing now. Mm -hmm. um, but essentially, we started with what is the tone? Like, what are your colors? <laughs> like, not even, like, what are the, none of yeah. this is good for me. Like, I am so all right brain. This is where yeah, he, yeah. he realized he's very good in the black and white. I'm very good in the gray. They gave us a, a, I mean, we have a branding book. Obviously, we have branding guidelines, which that's the standards, right? Like, they eventually came up with our, our green and our orange and our cream colors our that Pantone we use. Colors. Our Pantone colors. Pantone colors. And we trained our staff on it. It's yeah. like our, our vision of, like, you know, what we are and what we aren't. Um, and, you know, they came up what with What did our, you tell them for your vision when you were first asked? It was, I think they asked a lot of questions. Community it was kind of started, yeah, I think it was, you know, they knew about the history of the location and they went and dove into that. If you actually look at our logo, you know, we kind of have our cartridge C that has the circle in the middle that looks like a shotgun shell, but we're not, it's, yes, we don't get, we, we don't even really get the credit. I mean, Helms doesn't get the credit, but they took it from on the side of that building over there that you see is a etched placard above that door on the side. And it says the Peters Cartridge Co. And how they wrote co was like that C with the circle oh, in the so middle. They the so they went room. and like did their research and used that to influence it and brought it all to the table and then kind of gave us, similar to the interior design aesthetic as well, kind of gave us like look and feel boards. And immediately it was like, no, yes. Like I would say one strength of both of us is we are very, there's no hesitation. We're going to tell you like, yep, or absolutely Right not. or wrong or whether I'm going to hurt your feelings, yes. you are going to hear it. And we're yeah. going to be. I think most of our business partners appreciate that. Like we're they very know that decisive. like, yeah, we're very. going to pull the trigger either on a yay or an a. And we didn't get quick. that at times and, and throughout some of the project, like you'd have to make a decision on like branding or you'd have to make a decision on build out or construction. And we'd talk to our architect, and they'd be like, you are the two most decisive people we've ever worked <laughs> with. A breath of and and, yeah. and, and, and you're like, just like, how do you I do it? Yeah. Because every day that goes by is a delay on ordering, yeah. is a delay on opening, is, a, is money. Yeah. If I don't make a decision, it is costing me money. Like mm -hmm. maybe people do or don't realize that, but especially if you're going through rounds of just yes. uh, mm -hmm. of what does the C need to look yeah. like in our yeah. logo? Yes. Oh, well, like there's a whole rounds. story. Yeah. There are like eight rounds with this tap handle. They owed us like final products of you know our our branding, our logo, our branding standards, our website. Like they did a bulk of the stuff, but we made them work for it. Someone listening to this podcast, and you're like, all right, I'm gonna start a business, and I'm gonna I'm gonna. Uh, go bid out uh, branding agencies. One, listen to some podcasts. Like, let me better understand mm -hmm. what the design process actually is and what I'm getting out of this. What we did is we went out and we looked at really two agencies. We looked at Helms Workshop and then we looked at Kodo out of Indianapolis. We actually didn't consider anyone locally. One, I didn't know anybody mm -hmm. locally. But two is, uh, at that time, I considered Cincinnati very uh, consumer packaged goods driven marketing. Mm -hmm. You have PNG here, so most sense. of the firms are going to be CPG. Uh, I wanted beverage-based, mm -hmm. or at least auxiliary food-based mm -hmm. branding. And that's Helms. And that's Helms and, and Kodo, really. And so yeah. we we looked at their pricing, and they're very similar in their packages. And then it, we went, I'll admit it, we went with really name and who would accept us. So then at that point mm -hmm. in time, we ran with Helms. And the thing is, is when you look at that whole how much we spent, and it was a six-figure spend. Wow. Not wow. gonna lie, it was a it was six figures. Um, what we also wanted was there were certain things that in 2017, 2018, we knew we could not have in our branding. Like we did not want to hop yeah. or something, right? We didn't want the word uh, craft anywhere near our brand, right? Because it's, it's easy, it's cheap. Like I could have come up with it we myself. Didn't, like, I, I was adamant of I didn't want red 
as a color involved in any way, shape, or form. There's just too much red in the city and so many other things. So, like, I pushed away from that. No collegiate feeling because that's a land grant. Yeah. Out of, like, out of, and then, so we also looked at competitors. And then they came back with us with, like, all these sayings and things like that. And then you start to narrow it down. And we have a whole list of stuff we haven't even used that is still fantastic. Mm -hmm. They gave us a book. And so that's where it was, like, what are we really doing? Yeah. And then they were like, okay, you are honoring the past, but you're brewing the future. Yeah. All right? Which just seems like, so obvious, but it's so darn good. Yeah. Like they just did it. It's so simple. Yes, yes, it was. Like, that's but we never would have done that. Like yeah. everybody thinks, oh, I could have come up with that. No, if you could have come up with that, you would have done it already. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> this is why yeah. we're paying you. Yeah. So But I mean even like even like this the the, how they crossed the T yeah. on cartridge. That was like, a whole debate. It was a whole thing of like they wanted it to look heavy handed, yeah, like, a, like a hand with a yeah. pen at the end. Like mm -hmm. it was someone who was, you know, signing a. The last a, a, invoice of the day. A, a he writes cartridge the, with a hard you know, T with a, and it hits that dot eye. Yes. 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 Like it was like yeah. there was so much thought that went into it and it was, it was a crazy process, but it was a fun process. I probably drove you crazier at times. <laughs> well, there's times where you're like, you have to tell them they did a good job. You know like, they're yes. crying. I was and like, I'm like, no, it's horrible. You can't just like, crush them on all the things they did like, that you don't this like. This is exactly the turn I would like to take, is like, how do you guys, like, you guys seem like you're on the same page, decisive, yeah. and you have all these conversations, yeah. like, pillow talk at night, you're talking about the business right yeah. before yeah. you fall asleep. Yeah. Too we much. have to balance. Uh -huh. I mean, I think, yeah, I think it's learning the balance, but we do say we're freaks of nature that legitimately, I think we feel this about each other. It's the only this person. Be real awkward if I don't. Only person I can. <laughs> only person I can spend like twenty four seven with, and like like weeks, days on end, and not want to murder at some yeah. point. Like even including like my own, like my mother, my sister, like my best friends, like people I love them. But like after a couple of days, I'm like, you could go now for a you while. Yes, yeah, I would say. She like, also, we work at the same speed. pace. Yeah. Like we just we just work well, and so like we get through the branding, and now we have this thing. And, and this is where I think grit and determination comes in because everything looked yeah. like it was a green light and then all of a sudden, shocker, we had to go to uh, like, not public hearings, but we had to have public comment periods. And normally uh, it, it's, in wow. the, it's in this it's book called the books. Federal Register the that no one red tape. ever really knows exists, but they publish things every day yeah. that public can comment on. So like contracts and environmental laws and things. And you can go and read it every day and leave your public comment. And it was a 30-day period. Well, the developer's bank and their lending institution um, wouldn't fund, fund the whole project. until it got to a, a, this, this very nuanced point that we didn't even know if we could ever get to, honestly. Mm -hmm. And so we went through one 30-day, then we went through another 30-day. I think we went through 90 days of public period. Well, that's 90-day delay. Then the mm -hmm. bank saw us to underride. So it was about a, almost a year delay. So what did that conversation sound like over those 90 days? You, I, I think for me, and this is probably the prior military in me, of like, you just have to pivot and roll with it. Yeah. Like, yeah. you don't take it personal. Well, I think we both have a mindset of, I don't worry about things I can't control. Can't control. Like, there were some things that were totally well, what, what out were, of our control. What were people commenting on? Uh, there were the no EP, comments. It was the EPA. There, it was there. because of the EPA's choice to basically turn around a Superfund site and make it a functional. They just have to basically leave it as a window of if anyone has evidence that it shouldn't. So now we're in 2018. We've raised our first round of capital. We all at, of that was hanging in the balance. At this point EPA in time, had to happen. we are still working on a bank. So and, and she'll say, I thought the bank was gonna be the easiest thing. He thought getting people to write you checks would be hard, which it was hard because you were getting people to buy a vision of a, it was a lot of hopes and dreams in that vision. And then he thought then, okay, if I go to the bank with, look at all this money I've raised. Give me a loan. You, why wouldn't you give me a loan? Because when you go to buy a house and you bring a big deposit, they're normally like, okay, that sounds good. You're well, <laughs> that's yeah. not the case when you're a brewery, but we're looped into the Restaurants. restaurant umbrella. Mm -hmm. Um, Horrible which failure is rate. risk, wow. you know, high risk. And so we, I talked to 42, 42 banks, lending institutions, before I found one that, um, so if your relationship with your landlord is important, yeah. investors yeah. is good. Yeah. All right, how you structure it, I would say legally, how you raise your money is very important. The relationship you have with your lending institution should also be up there significantly, just like So what would be some red flags for someone to uh, look at? You go in and you pitch uh, 
what you want to do and they try to force you into a certain lending vehicle that gives them way more coverage than it does you. Mm. Um, they are not clear on what a personal guarantee is and they're not willing to walk you through that process. They don't offer you different options or, or and, and some of it is based on what you're doing, right? So we knew automatically based on risk, we wanted to go into the SBA loan series. Um, there's one bank here in town and maybe nationally is the number one SBA loan lender. Well, it's because they do everything in SBA and SBA covers the bank. It's essentially a, a, an insurance vehicle that covers a lot of the bank if the loan goes under. And so the banks are allowed to do riskier loans. It is a great vehicle. Uh, you know, I, I think looking at American business, people have this connotation that like bankruptcy is a, is a bad word or chapter 11 is a, a bad thing. I actually think it's a fantastic thing because it gives coverage to people to actually go out there and do crazy things mm -hmm. and start new businesses knowing that if they try their hardest and it just still fails, that there's at least some, a stop gap that at least yeah, protects them a little bit and they can go. There's plenty of businesses and business owners that have done something, failed, done bankruptcy, and that next idea was the one that went gangbuster. So in looking to banks, a lot of them were, uh, just wouldn't take the risk. They thought we were too risky. They didn't understand the site. Um, I, don't, I don't know, I mean, ask where, where the uh, documents go to for underwriting. If your bank sends all of your documents to a different city, don't do business with them. Huh. Because that person sitting in Chicago or Atlanta or, they, they don't care. Yeah. No, they don't care. Like, hey, I'm opening a brewery in a cool historic location. Like, they don't care. Great. They're never yeah. gonna come and help. Mm -hmm. They're never no, gonna our, come. Our, our banker so, is here often. Yeah, they are. <laughs> and so, yeah. our yeah. bank is 1.5 miles from here as well. Wow. Uh, I drove by it every single day because I thought it was a farm bank. <laughs> I did, I did. And I literally walked in the door one day and you know, my general dress was uh, a brewery t-shirt jeans that were probably dirty from being down here in Steel Toes. And I'm like, hi, my name's Kyle Hackbarth. I'm opening a brewery in the powder factory. I'd like to talk to your lending officer. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, well, actually, they're all in that room just having coffee. Would you like to sit down with them? And I just lucked out that it was the head lending agents, her boss, her boss's boss, and yeah. like maybe the guy from the C-suite. Mm. like the head dude, and yeah. I'm like, hey, we're opening a brewery 1.5 miles from here. I think I need this many million dollars. I've raised this much capital, and right when I say I raised this much capital, the conversation automatically changed to, can we go look at the site? I love that. And they came down here when it was a bombed out building <laughs> with moss everywhere and water everywhere, and they actually came and looked at it and That's gave really cool. a crap. Yeah. Now, did you also have the branding at that point in time, yes. or you yeah. did? Yeah. Okay, so that. So I'm we sure could show them that. So we yeah. had, yeah. So we put together this whole package, and then you discuss it, and you kind of come up with an amount you think you're going to need. That, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Double the time, double the money, and we just we move forward, and then you start to prepare what risk you're willing to take. So Lindsay and I are the only two partners that actually signed away our spousal protections of all of our assets. Mm -hmm. So everything we own essentially is on the line that if cartridge doesn't work, right? But then there's other ways you can minimize it. So like our brewing system, uh, we bought everything used. So we opened with 730 barrel fermenters, 615 barrel fermenters, and one random seven. So we bought uh, blank slates used equipment when he went under. Again, through relationships. Through, through all through relationships. Who knew people. And we bought a rock bottom brewing system. Through knowing Plano, people Texas. who knew people. Yep. Wow. And yeah. so we bought, you know, a pennies, million pennies dollars on the dollar. worth of brewing equipment and stainless steel for pennies That's on the amazing. dollar. And, and so then you can also bring that to the bank and collateralize it, mm -hmm. right? And say, okay, well, if we go under this brewing equipment on the used market would go for X, that's a very big number. Does that help balance the risk, right? Yeah. And so all of it is, is, is how much risk are you willing to take on? How much risk is the bank willing to take on? And are they willing to work with you to it get to like a final number? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And we're there. We were their second brewery. They did. Wow. They did an, uh, a, a big one up in Dayton yeah. and have a, a continual a relationship. Keep it local. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. I guess. And, and we use. And, and I can say it, yeah. we use peoples. We use the branch right here in 
Mainville, Ohio. But it's those relationships where that's as simple as like you just like yeah. literally call our banker on their cell phone and be like, hey, like, are you tracking this? Or like if we feared there was going to be a shutdown, like, hey, there was preemptive calls of like, if what what can you what can we do? Can we automatically put the loan in deferral status? Can and we do this? And they, and they were like, they were like, yeah, we're good. Absolutely. They're like, wow. if yeah. this happens, we will do X, Y, and Z. And that's a relationship, right? That's and amazing. and it, but it's a two-way street. Is that you know open communication of how are you know how are you doing? Well, here is my daily sales. This is what we're doing. So you know I can really proudly say and and I I think that a, some of this is on me and I think a ton of this and a whole nother part of the conversation is branding and forming a community behind your brand before you open, while you're opening and continuing to grow that cannot be, and that is all Lindsay here with it, it being our chief branding officer. So, um, yeah, so what, how has the impact of social media affected you guys? Huge. Um, I think that, yeah, we ne probably never would have started as early as we did um, because it was a creative couple of years of trying to create like like probably two years of content when sometimes there wasn't a whole lot of content to be created. We, we thought we outside created. the box. Yeah. yeah. And we built like we told a lot of the history of the site. Like, I mean, even in this week, we put out another like before or after like those get crazy yeah. engagement of people. The, the amount of connection people feel to this location we, I think, even underestimated of like how much it's people beloved. have, it's beloved. Every person who grew up around here and went to high school has their like, I went trespassing at the powder factory story. <laughs> and they all want to come in and tell it to you. It's, um, yeah, it's the four stories. It's, yeah, I broke or, or, in. Yeah, they broke in, they did something illegal. Um, yeah. and, or like they had a grandparent that worked here yep. back in the day. Wow. Like we hear all these stories. And everyone lives of, up the hill. Yes, that's our, we're literally getting ready to name a beer up the hill because that's our joke. It's everyone's like, well, I just live up the hill. Well, I'm like, you're in a valley. So in <laughs> Unless you live in these buildings, you have to live up one of the hills. Um, but it's been, I think, huge just to build a community and keep engagement and focus within it. I think the one thing that's been really interesting to look at, like how, and, and our developer, Ken and Steve, will both tell you that they think we're somewhat insane because they build things out of things that already exist. And we had to build something out of nothing. Yes. I think one of the most interesting things about being an entrepreneur or wanting to build a business is that you essentially have an idea and now you have to create it in the physical world out of your head and have people like it yeah. and love it and buy it. And I think that what's been really interesting to watch is that you watch all these other breweries, restaurants, things open up throughout Cincinnati is we had an, I don't want to say an easier time, but I think you find a place that's beloved and has a story. You create a brand that is close to, but is not replicating that. Mm -hmm. And I think people are naturally drawn to the story of a place and of a people and of them living in or near history versus trying to create something out of nothing, mm -hmm. right? So that if you can connect to the physical world upfront like we did with a location I think it it made it easier but then it's it's drawing people to to actually then buy the goods I mean so and keeping day, people your, your and keeping product people. is still the beer and the food that you're and the experience. experience I would say the experience yeah. the service like it became a big umbrella of like how are we gonna one our model was different and we changed our model our model a changed dozen maybe times. six times we we <laughs> yeah. did we started very much as we're just gonna do a tap room. It was at least a conversation. And then yeah. we pivoted very quickly into tap room, food like, trucks, and then it pivoted tap from room, tap like room, separate food lease food provider. Vendor. And then it then for a long time it was tap room and we were gonna sub essentially let the kitchen to a separate company that just likes to run kitchens and food, mm -hmm. but then that turned into a nightmare. And, yep. and then time, time in the long run became our friend, even though it felt like our enemy at times, because like a lot of the things that I think would have not worked had the time to weed out yep. and for us to find the most or realize successful that, like, path. People uh -huh. that you thought had the capacity to do things and came, came across yeah. as they could do things really were. Like, so it's almost like counter, it's like juxtaposition there where you guys are very decisive, but the time also forced you to yeah. wait and yes. to think mm -hmm. through yes. it a little bit more. Yeah, and then finally we we uh, we did another raise. Actually, yeah. we we went back to, to take on to the kitchen element because there's a so, heck of a lot of stainless steel in yep. that kitchen, so, just like there is in the. So we house. sold uh, we sold another uh, 
another few hundred thousand dollars. So the A partners uh, gave up their equity to then sell uh, what we call our, our B round or our C. Yeah. So I'm an A, we are A unit holders. Mm -hmm. They're the only ones that have votes. So Lindsay and I are the majority partners with over 50% of the vote combined. Nice. And then uh, the Bs are the first round of people. So they had a much lower valuation. Mm. of your company. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a whole conversation on how you yeah, evaluate something <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't exist. Yeah. Good luck with that. Um, and then we did another round. So there are C holders. And that money was raised for the kitchen. And yeah. for, um, at that time, this is like the third layout of this building too, that we changed this around so that we could essentially keep this wall, perhaps use that other space as a private event area and keep this bar open post COVID. Um, there's some other things in there, but really the biggest raise was for the kitchen because we knew that the minute we went into that. And so then it came into, all right, now we need a chef. And then we got extremely lucky with hiring Jerry Johnson with his lineage coming out of OTR, working for Sport Jean Roubert, Salazar. All the stars aligned across the board in terms of like finding Adam, our brewer via this yeah you know, rudimentary Reddit. or, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, like he was the exact right person for the job. And I think we knew that instinctively probably in our first conversation yep. with him. Yeah. And then I think finding Jerry was a huge piece of the puzzle because we wanted to bring the food in house, but we're yeah. not chefs and we, ha but we're so foodies and we're foodies. Don't. Yeah. And we're foodies and we had a high standard and we didn't want to do like the standard pub grub. We wanted mm -hmm. it to be still like cozy and approachable in that kind of food, but like elevate it and Jerry, again, through friends of friends, was like, hey, I know this guy who I think is there. And like, yeah, I mean, he's worked with Jeff Ruby, Jean Robert, Jose Salazar, like he's worked with all of them and he's a rock star. But I mean, I think, and then it was finding the last kind of the piece of the main puzzle we were looking for was our GM. So we said, we now have a full brew pub. We've got the great beer, we've got great food, but neither of us have run the front of a house at a restaurant. Mm -hmm. Like, and the amount of people that's involved in that. We know the level of service that we would want and expect, but the execution of all of that is something we didn't have the know-how for. No. And again, it was, right, that was a Facebook I love that you guys post. were honest with yourselves, oh, yeah. like about like, like, what you knew and what you didn't know. I think, yeah. I think my goal, and as we go into 2021, is, is what I've said is 2020 is survive. Yeah, we just had to get 2021 through. is grow, and then 2022 is thrive. So this is not, anyone who wants to go in the food or beverage business, this is not a get it's, rich it's, quick Yeah, it's far from plan. a get rich quick. Um, but it was getting the right people and the right puzzle well, pieces to fit. That and it's like, just the stories that servers and hostesses yeah. and, and back of house come with about how bad they've been treated certain places. Yeah. And I'm just like, holy cow. Like. We joke, we're not restaurant people, and I'm actually really glad I'm not a restaurant yeah, person I think we because bring a we don't bring lens. any of these like preconceived mm -hmm. things that you're supposed to do to these people. Like, sometimes I'll, we probably drive them crazy because we we're like, tell me why you did that, or like, yeah. let no, well, it's, I want it done this way, yeah. but like. I think it's a fresh perspective and it's like, it's we don't helps accept grow the, the business. The saying, it's, it's a restaurant thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. I've never accepted that as an answer. Like, no, it's not a restaurant thing. It's bad. Is it habits. a cartridge thing? Because yes. that's what we have to decide. So now yeah. we have the cartridge hospitality, like, not standard, and that makes it sound very formal. But I think what we're trying to get to is that somewhere in the pandemic and somewhere in the brewing world and, and maybe even slightly the restaurant world as a whole we forgot how to give genuine hospitality to people when they come in. I joke, I say I want it to be people's cheers, and I think it is becoming that. I think people coming down here and saying like how much like this was such need, such a need in the community mm -hmm. because, and we felt that, like we and, and Anthony, the other co-founder, we all live within a couple miles, and we were sick of the fact that we have two sports bars and 10 fast food elements, and that's all we had, and not like a sit-down restaurant. And we love, Cincinnati's an incredible city of food and beverage, but we don't always wanna drive 20, 30 minutes to go and get it. And we also wanted a place that like, we could come to, to you know, for a happy hour or go with friends, but also a place that was super family friendly as well. It's just, it's been very, you know, humbling to mm -hmm. see people's take on this place. Uh, yeah, so how does it feel, kind of that final it's, closing thought? I mean, I think it's it's incredible. I think that was what we always said, our marker of like what will be success is looking around and seeing people enjoying what we built. And I, I think it's it's just been, it's been humbling too, and then also super exciting to see like, um, 
you know, I enjoy the grind. Like that's my personality, is I love that difficult grind of trying to work through the nuance to make something happen out of nothing. Like, you know, if you can't, uh, it's a very lonely sometimes being like at the top and like Lindsay is obviously like my wife, my partner, my business partner, all mm -hmm. these things wrapped in one, but like not everything you're going through when you're dealing with like the nuance of like federal law you want to bring home, right? So you just have to like have that mentality of like I can take this. And I think the military prepared me very well for that of like uh, embracing the suck, yeah. right? Like I'm going to embrace the difficulty and know that that's what's great about it. But I think it's also been just so rewarding to see like Lindsay, who, you know, is an elementary education, former school teacher, now works in awesome tech sales, taking on branding and marketing for us, and then me coming to her and being like, hey, I know you're my wife, you can say no, but like, I really need you to step in and be our chief marketing officer, chief branding officer. Figure it out. You eventually have to go step to the edge of the cliff. And you either have to go, I'm gonna do this now, or I'm never going to do it, right? And then you need to have the personality, um, and I joke that the first person, and I was definitely the first person off the cliff, has to have the personality that they can sew the parachute while they're falling. There is no safety net. Like when you yeah. say like, we're gonna make this and we're gonna do it, yeah. you have to be all in. I think the additional partners can come and you can bring them in for their skill sets and they can be a little bit more insulated from that. But you know, I would just tell somebody, if you're listening to this podcast or you're thinking about opening whatever that is, mm -hmm. just go make your LLC, go open up your own business bank account. It's not your personal <laughs> business, you know, mm -hmm. put some money in it. And congratulations, go and go figure it out. All right, Patrick and I are gonna go start a brewery now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think on that note, that was a great final thought. Yes. Lindsay, Kyle, this has been awesome, very eye-opening, and we yeah. really appreciate you guys taking Thank the time. Thank you guys so Thank much. You. Thank you guys. Yeah, this is fun. Yeah. Cool. Come to Cartridge. Now we must drink beer. <laughs> <laughs> this was awesome, because if anyone has the opportunity to go to Cartridge Brewing, and experience the space yourself, you'll understand what we're talking about. Obviously this is all audio and no visual, but the high ceilings, the old factory, the way that they maintain the building and kept the character of the building, but also incorporated in, into their branding because I am a stickler of good design and good branding. And it They've really, it. It, it felt seamless, but it felt, it, it, was, it felt homey, but it had a purpose. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, and it goes back to, again, their logo. Yeah. And that whole, you know, what, what was the or phrase? Their phrase, not their logo, uh, their motto. The motto being, you know, we honor the past. Honoring the past, brewing the future. Yes. And I think that hits the nail on the head for their aesthetic, for their values. They're mm -hmm. very community focused, which I absolutely love. The fact that they wouldn't have gotten anywhere without relationships. Yeah, but and location, location, location. Too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the fact that they, they're like, we, we know we can't do this on our own, so let's mm -hmm. reach out to people. And I think that's just great that... Business advice. Yeah. They knew what their strengths were going into it. Mm. They knew, a, a, again, that grit and determination. And they had that within them, being a part of the military, traveling for eight and a half years, you know, constantly relocating they just have that natural drive. And I think any entrepreneur in any startup or business owner knows that you have to have that to be successful. You have to buy all in. Mm. And when you come to the table with a three page pitch and you're convincing, you know, to get somebody write me a check for $200,000 and they say, sure, within 15 minutes, there's something there that's unexplainable mm -hmm. and they have that, they have that vision and they, they have, have that. that grit and determination. Yeah. But then they also weren't afraid to ask for help in the areas that they didn't know, like the front of the house, working a restaurant. The banking. The banking, constantly learning. Oh yeah, and like, I think there's just so many, I hate saying little nuggets, because I just hate that phrase, but. I think little are, nuggets <laughs> is a nice phrase. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of little nuggets in there just for anybody wanting to start a business that you can take, you know, to the bank, right? Like, yeah. go to your local bank. They're the ones that know you. Go, you know, reach out to, you know, your friend that you haven't talked to in forever and be like, hey, just talk about what you're doing mm -hmm. because you never know who they can get you connected with. And the fact that they're able to do this as a husband and wife, you know, business partners. I think, you know, some people would say, oh, never go into business with family or friends, but yeah. it works for them. It and does. you could just tell, like, they know each other 
like seamlessly. They oh, were finishing yeah. each other's sentences. They know what each one's good at. One was the business side. <laughs> one was the creative side. Yeah, and it it works, and it's yeah. working for them. It's what two and a half months in? Two and a half months in, yeah. and they're killing it. Yeah, it's funny because you'd think, oh, starting a business during a pandemic. Well, I think it's worked for them because they also had a little bit of that hype, but they created that hype. Number one, because they had a plan. They had the vision of location is key. They love, they found the right Mm. building, the right space, but they also started their branding ahead of time. So they were already pumping out what they wanted to do mm. and their message and what it was going to become before they even opened their doors. Well, and then I think it's kind of a blessing in disguise for all that regulation and red tape that kind of forced them to slow down, right? From the EPA super fund. Yeah, 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 yeah. It forced them to slow down, but that allowed them time to build that branding um, and that like messaging and that community and these relationships in order to get to where they are today. So I'm actually super excited that they were our first like business on the podcast and hopefully we can keep diving into more great businesses like cartridge brewing and yeah learn from them and reach out to us if there's somebody that you know that you know that we should talk to or highlight that's you know has a unique business story and also again diving a little bit into the history in the past of here in cincinnati we'd love to hear from you we want to start this conversation this is going to be ongoing this is just the start of our journey we're only three episodes (laughs) in and we're still on a mission to create if you just a light search. rail here in Cincinnati. <laughs> oh my God. We're never going to let that go, guys. But seriously, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, even LinkedIn. Just search When Pigs Fly. Um, I don't think there'll be too many options. Yeah, you, yeah reach out, message us. We'll, we'll respond. And, and we're here to start that yeah, conversation. And please let us know your thoughts. So and to that. Prost Innovation. Cheers. And here's some necessary legal stuff. Allie Martin and Patrick Bailey developed the When Pigs Fly podcast in collaboration with the Up Company LLC. At the time of this recording, we do not own equity or other financial interest in the companies which appear on this show unless otherwise indicated. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own opinion and do not reflect the opinions of the EW Scripps Company and its affiliates or Generator Management LLC and its affiliates or any entity which employ us. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. We have not considered your specific financial situation nor provided any investment or legal advice on this show. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week. We also want to give a shout out to Claire and Christian of Moonbow. They're the two artists of our intro song, which is so catchy and gets stuck in our heads all the time. So bop over to Spotify or wherever you find your music and give them a listen. And Like the Night by Moonbow is courtesy of Silver Lake Sync.